Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. How many of you in here this morning believe that if we if we actually let the spirit lead everything would be completely different how many of you have in here have have done that and experienced that and that just adds to our faith and adds to our testimony doesn't it guys we got to let the spirit lead and i'm not talking about just on a sunday morning in church we got to let the spirit lead every minute of our life because the spirit the Spirit leads to fruit. The Spirit leads to life. The Spirit leads to love. We have a tendency to go everywhere that is the opposite of those things that the Spirit leads us to. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning, we just want to we just want to be in your presence. Jesus, we just want to glorify you. We just want to bless your holy name. Father, this morning, you've already sent your spirit. The spirit lives within us. And where two or three are gathered, you are there also. And, and Lord God, I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to people even right now in this service. There's, it, it, the Holy Spirit is confirming things. The Holy Spirit is, is convicting things. The Holy Spirit is even churning some things up in people in here this morning that they that they thought they had hidden for so long. And, and that can be uh, sins, that can be hurts, that can be uh, all sorts of things. But, but Lord God, I believe you're at work here already this morning. And why wouldn't you be? We just stepped out of a time of, of coming before you in worship. And Lord God, our goal in worship is to be pleasing to you and to bless your holy name. Yes. Father, so many people are, are throwing out the phrase, more in 24. But Lord God, my prayer is, is that you bring us to a position before you where we can truly desire more of you. And we position ourselves in such a way where we can accept more from you. Lord God, the world has failed us. The world will continue to fail us. So help us to place our trust where we need to place it. And it's not in this world. It's not in, in other people. It's not in politicians and government and businesses and, and philosophies and ideologies. No, Lord. We put our trust in you. And when we do so, we know that we will not fail. So Lord God, help us to desire and position ourselves for more of you this year as well as this morning. Once again, Jesus, be glorified. Without you, we wander lost and helpless but with you we seek your kingdom and your will for each one of our lives jesus be glorified we pray this in your mighty name and everybody shout it out amen, amen. you guys can be seated
Give me a second here to get all organized. Hopefully. All right. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for for worshiping with us, participating, all that good stuff. Kids! I'm going to go ahead and just dismiss the kids. Let those little elephant feet tromp through the halls, downstairs. Parents, remember, grandparents, remember, always ask your kids what they learned today. And the what? Good stuff. It's got to be more than that. And then you got to tell them what you learned. Hopefully you learned something in here today, right? How many of you guys are ready to learn something? But beyond learning something, how many of you guys are, are ready to have that interaction, that deeper interaction with the Holy Spirit this morning? We love that. Isn't that what's awesome? Um, and that's the reason we do a response time at the end and we open up these altars, which they will be opened up at the end of service. So get prepared now for that. All right, announcements. We've got a few announcements. Next week is the last Sunday of the month. So we're having last Sundays. And it's going to look a little bit different. There's a couple things going on. Um, It's the one-year anniversary of our cafe. Can you guys believe that? When they were like, hey, the one-year anniversary is coming up, I'm like, what? Couldn't be. Couldn't be coming up. But it is. So next week, um, we're going to have... Obviously, we always do the potluck downstairs. The kitchen is is still in progress, making really great progress progress. Um, But a lot of people didn't want to skip another last Sundays because we love it. We love hanging out with each other. So it will be upstairs. It will be around here. There's a sign up in the foyer. We're going to do soup and sandwiches so you can sign up. More specific things to bring instead of it being a potluck. We're going to keep it maybe a little bit more simple. and then also while that's going on, the cafe will, will be open and everything is half off. And since it's the last Sunday, it's double punch Sunday. So on my goodness, you get a half off drink and you get two punches. That means you can get two drinks and get four punches. All that good stuff. So, so we don't, you know, we're not, a, we're not a coffee shop or anything, but man, you can drink coffee before service. You can drink coffee after service. You can, I don't drink coffee, by the way, so it doesn't make any difference to me. But please, if you're new here, if you're visiting here for the first time or the second time, if you've never experienced one of the last Sundays, hang out. Um, because they're always fun. It's a great way to get to know people. And, uh, it's, it's good to know people that you go to church with, right? Wouldn't you say that? And we love that about our church. We get to know people. All right, what else is going on? Let's see. Oh, next Sunday also, if you saw all the quilts out there, right, they're all displayed, and those will be for sale next Sunday, um, and it'll be a silent auction. So I guess you just sign up, and you just keep signing up, and the, the starting bid is $50, and all the money that is raised will then go to, to BGMC. And if you don't know what BGMC, it's, it's Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge. And what that is, is it's, it's how the uh, kids in the church can, can raise money that then goes to missionaries. So it can, hey, if a missionary, maybe they need 
Bibles or computers or whatever. Um, all this money comes into BGMC and then the missionaries apply for that. And then it's the kids that are raising the money to, to do that. Even though I don't think the kids made the quilts, we don't care about that. We just want to raise money for BGMC. So participate in that. Lots going on. Eat. Eat is Tuesdays, right? At six o'clock. Don't get excited on the front row about eat or anything like that. Um, young adults, um, really, you know, late teens, early 20s-ish, that. Um, six o'clock at the office over there. Um, you guys, boy, you guys filled up that that sheet to, to bring food for eat. It wouldn't be eat if they didn't have food. So thank you for that. If you're signed up, talk to Levi about it. Um, he can give you a rough number on, on how many kids, people, young people, young adults are going to be there um, this week and, and everything and kind of when to deliver it and, and uh, if he needs to stick it in the oven or whatever. So just talk to Levi about that. And then finally, baby bottles. If you have um, noticed, uh, we have baby bottles all over the front of the stage. Um, if you've been going here, you know exactly what those are for. If you haven't, I'll give you a quick rundown. Options Clinic. You guys know what Options Clinic is in, in here? Most everybody knows what that is. That's a, really it's the, it's the better option the way better option than Planned Parenthood, right? So options clinic, you can go in and you can get all sorts of tests and everything, but uh, it deals a lot with, with pregnancies and they get an ultrasound and it's, it's a, as, as Planned Parenthood pushes abortion, options pushes life. And that's why we want to support that. So, so every year we do the baby bottle challenge. You just grab a baby bottle, like this one, and then there's a thing inside that you can fill out. And then you can just fill it with change, right? Fill it with quarters, fill it with whatever. And if you think, well, that's just so much trouble, you can just stick $100 bills in it. <laughs> or you can just stick a check in it. And, and if you want to give by credit card, you can scan that little thing and you can give by credit. Who wants this bottle? Hey. I'm going to throw it. Ooh. Hey, I got one good arm. Andy, I'm going to try to make it. Can I try that? I'm serious. Look at that. that. That just made me feel good that I actually did something. So please grab the baby bottles. Um, we want to support Options Clinic, especially because of some of the legislation that's coming up and some of the things that are trying to get pushed through. And as I talked to Cindy, I was amazed at some of the things that aren't really public, um, maybe not being Not made. yet anyway. Um, at the March for Life, we had about 50 people in the Capitol. We had more online, and the speakers were really great, but the um, attorney for our attorney general, this initiative that's coming out is not just pregnancy at all uh, gestational ages. It's actually more serious than that, and I'll try not to cry. Um, partial birth abortion. The baby's being delivered and they end the life. Um, safe harbor for sex trafficker violent offenders. Um, it is okay, if this passes, it is okay for a sex trafficker to impregnate a victim and bring it to an abortion clinic because they don't have to report that because the pregnancy is abortion minded now. 
safe harbor for sex trafficker violent offenders. So they can have their way and, and if you are keeping up on the sex trafficking, they take a teenager, a small girl, and a user and user and user until they can't use her anymore. Sounds of Freedom, that movie is becoming quite the thing now. Safe haven for Planned Parenthood to hide evidence for statutory rape. The girl is raped, she comes in, they don't have to report it. They can have the abortion. And right now in our state, the minors can have abortions and the parents have no way of knowing. There's no signature, nothing like that. So with these bottles, if we are gonna support options clinic, we need to put our money where our mouth is. Take these bottles and you can do them year round. I turn in probably two a month, just with your change. They, have, they need volunteers. If we are going to tell these women to choose life for their children, we need to provide them with diapers, clothes, jobs, you name it. They need that support. And women can have an abortion for even just needing rent. I don't get that either, but it's a, um, it's a, um, my words, I, I lost my words. It's a small problem for a very permanent solution. But take these bottles, I can get more. You turn them into options or bring them here, I can get more, there's tons of them. So please help me if you wanna pray outside the clinic. That was the other thing I forgot. It is becoming law, if this passes, that if you are praying outside an abortion clinic, you're not even talking, you're just praying that they are going to have serious consequences for you, out of country, they're already being arrested for praying because Planned Parenthood's own statistics says that 25 uh, no-show rate goes up to 75% if someone is outside just praying. And abortion workers are leaving. I believe there's 666 abortion workers that have already left the United States. Abortion is the leading death in America. We need to fight this with prayer. March for Life was good, and now we just need to do these bottles and we're gonna go a month and then you'll just turn them back in, but I can get more, trust me. I, I can bring in bags, so. Oh. oh yeah, Mel. I forgot about that. Sorry, Mel. And John. And Levi. Levi's like, I'm too cool for that. <laughs> Come on up. Don't knock the bottle over. <laughs> okay, so we were going to come up there in the cafe, but we want to bring it back to that and first say, because we're at our one-year anniversary, if you have brought um, snacks, if you've worked in the cafe or currently work in the cafe, will you stand up? All right. Can we give everybody a... They've stuck with us. They're awesome. The snacks come every week. It's, it's awesome. So um, we have a giving program where we do a lot to missions. And we have everybody up here, the three managers of the cafe. And so Mel has the numbers so you can hear what we've been doing for the community and mission. Well, um, first of all, I just want to thank you guys for supporting. It's, I just never imagined that it would turn out the way it did. Um, we raised almost $1,000 just in tips for missions over the last, actually not even a year yet, it's been just, um, you know, because we didn't really get started till February 
the last Sunday of the month, so we have all of January's tip sheets still to come in. We were able to, we served according to what I could find. We made over 1,250 cups of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more, I mean, because we make Italian. So we, we added all kinds of new drinks. We've, it's just been amazing. We upgraded our, our coffee maker, and everything that we do is all from what we make. We don't take any money from the church. Everything just goes back into the coffee shop. Um, we added tables for outside um, during the summer. We, um, we just got some new flags that we're going to put outside, and then we're going to do a door-to-door -door, um, campaign to bring in neighbors. Hopefully, we're, we're just really trying to reach out to the community. So anyway, thank you again so much for all your support. I don't, I don't have anything to say. So. <laughs> I have one more thing. And um, we could have never done it without these two. If, if they hadn't been involved in it, it would have never made it. So thank you. Good stuff, huh? Lots going on. The coffee cafe. I think it's a, Mel, it's not a coffee maker. It's an espresso machine. Right? We're high class here. No, it, it, it all came together awesome. Um, all the volunteers that have helped from the very beginning to, to, to now, creating it, painting it, working, ideas, all of that. It's been, it's been cool and it's just been a, you know, coffee is great and all, but it's, it's, it's a time that we can minister, right? It's, it's, a, it's a spot where people can get involved in church, right? When, when um, maybe you hear, hey, you need to get involved at your church and, and you automatically go to one extreme, like, oh, they're either gonna make me clean or they're gonna make me be on the worship team. Um, that's, not, that's not the truth. There's so many different things you can be involved in at your church. Hopefully this is your church, but as simple as the coffee, the cafe, um, all of those things. So um, jump in, get involved. We need, gosh, we need more greeters. We need more sound people. We need more computer people. We need more Facebook people. We need more everything. We need Snow shovelers. I knew Doyle would say that, but uh, there's all sorts of things you can get in, and maybe it's once a month, maybe it's twice a month, maybe it's every week, but please consider that. All right. Giving. Four ways to give, like always. Um, online, bridgehelena.com. You can text it. You can give the give in the giving boxes, you can mail it, um, all of those things. Remember, giving is a form of worship. We love giving because it's a form of worship. Um, but God usually rewards us in a, in a great blessing within our lives, and, and that's biblical, and, and that's not just a monetary blessing. It doesn't have to be. It can come in different ways, but, uh, but that's not why we give. We don't give to get blessed. We give to be a blessing, and, and that's what we love about um, the culture of this church is we have so many people that understand that. All right. You guys ready to get rolling? You guys sitting in expectation. What's going to happen today, right? <laughs> I was that way earlier, and then it's like, it's great. But let's pray and, and, and we'll get started. Father, once again, thankful to be in your house today, Lord God. It's just, it's a wonderful time to get together with other believers, with the family, with the church, with the body, with the bride, and to celebrate you, Jesus, and to, uh, and to really just lay ourselves down, to, to separate ourselves from, from all the junk, 
all those things we have to worry about, all the anxieties within our life, we can separate ourselves from that right now and, and be in this, this organism called the body, looking to the head, the head of the church, Jesus Christ. You are, are you, you guide us, you instruct us, but you, you love us, you, you, uh, you give us security, you give us confidence. So today we are thankful for that. Holy Spirit, guide this service like I always ask and that you are always faithful in doing. Allow me to speak only what you want me to speak. Take, my, take me out, take me away from anything that's contrary to you or, or that you don't want spoken. And as I, as I try to pray every Sunday, let nobody leave here. Let nobody leave this building the same way that they came in. So that means, Holy Spirit, we yield to you. Right now, we yield to you. Right now, if, if you're stirring within us, help us to not run from that or fear that or hide from that. But Lord God, help us to focus upon you and run full on right into the place that you desire us to be. We pray this. In the name of Jesus. And once again, everybody shout it out. Amen. Well, if you guys were here last week on that cold Sunday morning, um, you guys know that it was, was a very different kind of service. And it was different in the most wonderful ways. And it's honestly, it's, it was a surprise to me. It, um, God completely changed things up. And uh, like I said last week, a little bit before we got started, um, God took me way out of my comfort zone because of the way God wired me. He said, good, I, um, I wired you for a specific way and a specific purpose, but that doesn't mean you have to stay in that. So he really shifted things around last week and um, completely we did something totally different. The Holy Spirit just took over and that was the entire service. Um, and honestly, it's one of those services that that you don't want to miss. Um, and that's part of the reason that we, we try not to miss Sunday mornings um, at church because, because we just don't quite know what God might do, right? We have a, we have a general understanding, hey, we're going to come in, we're going to get our coffee, we're going to meet some people, we're going to talk to some people we know, we're going we're gonna to do worship, and then announcements and pastors going to speak and then there's going to be a response time and then church is over and we love on each other and things like that. We have this understanding that's kind of how, how church should look. But within that, the Holy Spirit can sure take some leeway and he sure did that last week. So I believe last week was a, was a timely message um, and I think it was an important message to start 2024 out with, it was about, really, it's about sharing your testimony. I'm, I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. Um, I need to go back and listen to what I said. <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but, but I was hearing myself say stuff, and later in the week, people were like, hey, you remember when you said this? And I'm like, oh, I did say that. I did say that. That was crazy. So um, if you missed last week, maybe, maybe catch a listen, because I think it's a very important place to start this year out. Um, we need to be telling people about what Jesus has done in our lives. Amen. We just need to be doing that, because there's so many people that, that want to hear it. They're hungry, and we shouldn't be the ones that are withholding the food and the water that they so desperately need. Wouldn't you agree? All right, today, 
as the Holy Spirit allows, we're going we're gonna to look at what I had originally had for us last week. And today I want to talk about something that has really been near and dear to me for a while. This morning we're going to talk about pain. Now the kind of pain that I've been dealing with is obviously physical pain. But in and through this hopefully brief season, hopefully very brief season of my life, God has, has really shown me some interesting and important views and principles on pain. And I would just like to take this morning and, and share some of those, those ideas and, and uh, principles with you, um, if that's okay. Strangely enough, since I had surgery and, and a little bit of time on my hands and, and uh, not the painkillers, they're not leading me to this, but it's the Holy Spirit that, that I believe is, is leading me to this. But strangely enough, I've been thinking a lot about Jacob and his life. And, and at first that was weird to me. Because of, out of all the other people in the Bible I could be thinking about, because, man, I love the New Testament. I know the Old Testament has tons of value, and I love the, the accounts in there, but I'm a New Testament guy. It's like Paul and, and John and, and all of those guys. But, but for some reason, God took me back to, to Jacob. And if you think about it, his story is one of deception and pain and healing, and redemption. And in many ways, it's, it's each one of our stories. It really is. It's the same thing. It's yours and it's mine. It's, it's everyone's. But unfortunately, some, or, or really many people, will, will only experience a portion of this story. And many will get only so far as to get stuck in the, in the pain chapters of life. And here's a brief recap of, of Jacob's life. If, if, if you don't know exactly who he was or, or what was going on, I'll give you a quick recap. But I would encourage each and every person in here to read the whole story. And it's found starting in, in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 28 for for multitude of chapters after that. We really focus on, on Jacob. Jacob came from an important line. His dad was Isaac, but his grandpa was Abraham. And there's so much that is built upon Abraham. And Jacob was actually a twin, and he was the second of those, those sets of twins. And in those days, the, the birthright, in that culture and in that time, the, the birthright went to the, the one that was the firstborn. So usually there's not twins, so there's a definite firstborn, and, and, and they weren't minutes apart. They, they were sometimes months or, or years apart. But in this case, when twins were born, there was had, one twin had to be born first, and that one is the one that would receive the birthright. And honor and rights or privileges were given to the family's firstborn son, after the father died. So all of that passed to the firstborn son. Or if the father had to go away in the father's absence, the firstborn son assumed the father's authority at that time and his responsibilities. So Jacob was number two. And in his most notorious act of trickery, Jacob stole 
He deceived and he stole the the birthright from his twin brother Esau, which was a double portion of his father Isaac's inheritance. But even more important, the birthright from he stole the the when he stole the birthright from his twin brother, um, he stole the father's blessing. So at that time, the father would bless the firstborn. It, he would bless all his kids, but but really, it was the lineage thing. It was it was the passing on of that. So it was important um, in society's culture to be the firstborn in what you would receive. And Jacob said, "You know what? I know I'm the secondborn, but I want to be the firstborn." So through through deception, he actually stole that birthright. And I would argue that at this point of deception. It brought much pain into Jacob's life. Now we're going to fast forward here and we're going to come to a point in Jacob's life many years later where a confrontation with his brother Esau was inevitable. See, Esau was kind of dad's favorite and and uh, Jacob was kind of mom's favorite and, and mom was wise to what's going on. So mom actually had sent Jacob off um, into another land to prevent that confrontation. But, but how many of you guys know here we can't just keep running from trouble? <laughs> trouble always catches us up to us. And we always have to face those consequences. And Jacob had carried the consequences of his deception all his life. And now he was about to pay the price for that deception. And we might think that, that he deserves what he believed he was about to get, but I can only help to think about the chronic pain that that deception had had brought into Jacob's life. The chronic pain that he was living in that was caused by that act of deception. It was fear. Read it in the scriptures. It was insecurity, and it was guilt, and it was remorse living his life with the burden of unforgiveness, right? Jacob had never asked his brother to forgive him for that act. And part of that was the fear of what his brother would do to him in response. And things finally got to a breaking point and, and Jacob went to the only one who could heal his pain. And we find that in, in Genesis 32, 9 through 12. And as And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country, to your kindred, that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. See, what had happened was is, is, uh, Jacob had come back into the original land and and, uh, he knew this confrontation was was going to happen. So so he He was in such fear that Esau was going to destroy him and his family. 
that he actually split them up into two different groups to try to preserve one. That was Jacob's mindset, right? He was operating out of pain and fear and hurt. And when we look at this passage right here, we can learn a couple of things from this passage. See, we can carry pain. We can carry unbearable pain in our life. And from the outside, it can look like we are doing fine. It can look like we are even doing good. You take a look at Jacob's life. When we read the accounts, Jacob was, was blessed in a lot of the things he did. The flocks multiplied. He had, he had built a, a large successful life and, and family, and it looked from the outside like everything was going great, even though on the inside, Jacob was carrying much pain. So just remember, things may not always be as they look. We also see Jacob doing something interesting here. We see Jacob reminding God of what God had said. You guys ever do that? You guys ever remind God of what, what God said? But what is really happening here is that through this, it is God who is reminding Jacob of what he said. So Jacob has come to the, the crucial point that all of us must come to, seeking the only one that can truly help us. Was it easy? Absolutely not. Let's continue. Look at, look at Genesis 32, 24 through 28. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob. He touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have pre prevailed. Interesting story. The man we know, the man that, that Jacob is struggling with is, is, is it's the Old Testament version of, of Jesus, right? He's struggling with him and, and he won't let him go. And, and, and maybe you're thinking, well, isn't God all-powerful? <laughs> Couldn't he have just left? And, and yes, he could. But the point is, is, is that, that it shows that, that sometimes we do need to struggle and say, God, I will not leave you until you bless me. God, I will not leave you until you heal me. God, I will not leave you until you give me an answer. God, I will not leave you until you show me my next step. And we need to strive with God in such a way. I believe God honors that. And I believe God likes that fervency within our prayer and our desire to rely upon him. Amen. Jacob wanted healing in his life bad enough to persist and even struggle with God. And it wasn't easy, but it was worth it. And what happened after this is nothing short of amazing. And if you don't know how this contradiction confrontation between, between Jacob, who is now Israel, and Esau went. I'm not going to spoil it for you guys this morning, but you can find that in Genesis 33. I just ask you, don't everybody flip to Genesis 33 right now and start reading the account. Read it later, later this afternoon. Now, in this case, Jacob's decision 
brought pain into his life, right? He deceived his brother, and that brought that pain into his life. It was, it was by his action. But for many, for many sitting in here this morning, the pain that is in your life right now, it can be caused by the decision and the actions of other people. Both can be just as harmful and hurtful as the other. And when I decided I wanted to talk about pain on a Sunday morning, it just seemed like such a broad topic. So I decided to look up and, and like what the, what the medical and official definition of pain is. So most official definitions of pain have everything to do with physical suffering or discomfort caused by illness or injury, causing an unpleasant sensory and emotional experience associated with actual or potential tissue damage or described in terms of such damage. If I ask you, are you in pain? How many of you are going to rattle that out? None of you. So technically, this may be what pain is, but in reality, this definition is quite abstract when compared to the actual pain that we feel. Though few can quote the definition, we can all describe our experience with pain. Pain, pain is an experience that, that predates our earliest memories, doesn't it? And pain is the biggest commonality that relates us to one another. Think about that for a second. Pain, it's pain that is the commonality that relates us to one another. See, not all experience love, not all experience hope, not all experience success or, or security, and not all experience Christ himself. But no matter who it is, all experience pain. Now, it would be quite easy for me to stand up here and talk about physical pain today, my physical pain today. And it is kind of funny, but it's, but it's also interesting to me that when I'm out and about and, and people see that I'm in a sling, and it's, it's funny of the conversations I get into, it's always about, well, what happened to you? What's going on? Um, did you have surgery? Did you fall? Did you break something? And, and before I can barely get an answer out, they want to tell me their experience with, with pain, be it a shoulder, be it anything else. Again, pain is the commonality that links us together. And for me, it's, it's a great opportunity. It's a great lead into a more important conversation. Because in reality, we endure pain in more ways than just the physical. And that's what I want to talk about today. So even though physical pain may be my example, understand that we need to be relating this idea to the emotional and the spiritual side of pain within our lives. In a Christ-centered mindset, as well as just a general mindset, we can, we can break down pain. Really, there's, there's multitudes of different kinds of pain, but, but if we really lump it up, 
the kind of pain that, that we're going to focus on and we're going to remember in our lives, it can really come down to two main categories, especially in regards to this emotional and spiritual pain. And that is chronic pain and healing pain. Chronic pain is that lingering day-to-day -day pain is the pain we carry, the pain we lug around every day. And it's exhausting. Chronic pain is exhausting. Chronic pain leads to atrophy and eventual death. And I'm not talking just physical. Emotionally and spiritually, it's, it leads to atrophy and eventual death. And there is no benefit. There is absolutely no benefit to chronic pain. And it leads us nowhere. Healing pain, on the other hand, is the pain we experience during the healing or the rejuvenating process. Healing pain leads to revival, and healing pain leads to life. Now, it's important to understand that both types of pain can and will affect how we see things, how we process things, how we react to things, including people. Pain has the ability to either negatively or positively affect our decisions. Let me say this about my, my shoulder. It is only now that I can truly recognize the severity of the chronic pain that, that I was in, that I had carried around for 15 years. Because now I'm in the phase of the healing pain. So sometimes we don't even process. We, don't, we can't comprehend how much pain we are actually in until we step into the healing segment, until we, until we have some intervention, until something is done. And actually, I cannot believe how much pain, chronic pain, I had chosen to endure and, and listen closely, chose to hide, both to myself as well as to others. Hey, Pastor Jason, how's it going? Oh, it's great especially when they just slapped me on the shoulder. Oh, gosh, I'm doing fine. Glory to God. Glad to be in his house this morning. But I would hide that. And I would tell myself, oh, it's not that bad. I don't really need to go to the doctor. How many in here? I don't really need to go to the doctor. Oh, yeah. Lots of hands, lots of pointing. Big fingers. See, it was so prevalent and it was so persistent that it had become part of my life. It had become my day to day and the effect or the, the consequence of that chronic pain bled over into all parts of my life. The same as Jacob. That chronic pain had bled over into all areas of his life. The decisions, partly why he was driven in certain ways, it was because of the pain that he inflicted upon himself because of the deception. And for me, this was just physical pain. As simple as, hey, I go to the doctor, they cut the bone off, slap a piece of titanium in there, stick it all back together. It took my chronic pain away. Now I'm blessed with the healing pain. And I would never mean to diminish someone's physical pain in here this morning. However, the emotional and the spiritual pain that many are under, it's tremendous. It's terrible. And unfortunately, if unaddressed, it's terminal. Now let me tell you the best news. The very best news you can 
ever hear when you are in chronic pain. There is hope and there is healing available to you. And it comes from only one place. It comes from only one source. It comes from Jesus. Look at look at 1 Peter 2.24. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, willingly offering himself on it as on an altar of sacrifice so that we might die to sin, becoming immune from the penalty and power of sin and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, you who believe have been healed. Now here is something that many, including some Christians, can can really push back against, but I believe it to be true. If Jesus is the great physician, the church is the hospital. I'll say that again. If Jesus is the great physician, which so many people will believe, man, Jesus, he's the one. You've got to go to him for redemption, for salvation, for healing. Jesus, he's the I truly believe Jesus is the one. But I also believe that the church is or is to be the hospital. See, when I had my shoulder done, Dr. Schlepp, he didn't just come to my house. I didn't watch it online. I didn't do any of that. He told me I had to go to the hospital at 6 a.m. and get all checked in. It was there that the surgery transpired. It was there that there was people besides just the surgeon to help me, you know, to shave my armpit and all that, which is about the worst thing that they did, and then to get me ready, and then to, to, to knock me out, right? And then, and then, it was Schlepp for 45 minutes to an hour that, that actually came in and, and fixed it. But then when he was down, he passed me on again to the staff there, and they got me ready. They, wake up, Jason. Come on, wake up. And they got me ready to actually be able to go home. Did I need the surgeon? Absolutely. Did I need the hospital? Absolutely. Is Jesus important? utmost, foremost, he is the most important. But within Jesus's, within the Father's wisdom, his wisdom was, I'm going to send my only son to die for these people, and he's going to be the head of the church. And the church is going to be incredibly important because Jesus is going to ascend back to heaven, send the Holy Spirit, and then the, the body of believers is to get together to exalt God, to edify each other, and to evangelize the community. I don't care what you say. Church is vitally important. So we have a lot of Christians and a lot of, a lot of believers that say, man, I'm going to choose to worship Christ, but I'm not going to go to church when it's God's idea that you do both. So if Jesus is the great physician, the church is the hospital. See, healing comes from God by way of the Holy Spirit, and in accordance with the blood of Jesus. And it is also God's desire that we ourselves, as the body of Christ, welcoming. We welcome in the hurting. We minister to each other. And we support one another under the cover of the church. Hebrews 10 continues a, uh, uh, contains a great healing 
passage. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Well, it's all about Jesus right there. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, that sure tells me that, that it's all about Jesus. And part of being all about Jesus is Jesus's plan that the church be a meeting area, a hospital, a rehabilitation place, an ascending place. That's Jesus's plan, right? Because of Jesus, healing is available to us. Ultimate healing in the form of salvation and an eternity with Christ, which is spiritual healing, correct? But also emotional healing from abuse, from trauma, from tribulations and trials. I want you to know today that, that, that despite what you have been through, regardless of how long you have been carrying chronic pain, no matter who tries to tell you any different, Jesus is the solution. He's the, he's the only solution. And this church will always have a place for you. I don't care what you did last night as much as I care that you're here this morning to interact with God, to get a touch by the Holy Spirit, to be ministered by the church, to be surrounded and prayed for by your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now I can understand this can be a hard topic to discuss because you can feel like Salt is being rubbed into those wounds you may think you have under control. And it may cause painful things to come to the surface. And you may think you can just, well, just not deal with it. And your pain and, and, and it will go away, right? Just like I thought my chronic shoulder pain was under control and eventually go away. But healing pain can only come after the doctor has fixed the issue. So what do we need to be looking for and evaluating in our life? What causes this chronic pain in our emotional and our spiritual life? Well, fear is a big one. And if fear is unchecked, it will handicap us in ways that we don't always notice. We've got to evaluate those things in our life. But unforgiveness is just as big. And the effects of carrying around unforgiveness are exponential. But there's also things like envy, jealousy, doubt, hatred. There is guilt and shame and regret and there's anger. All of those are chronic pains 
that we tend to carry around. And a big source of chronic pain in our life is this condemnation of others, but also self-condemnation where we beat up on ourselves. We, we, we don't think we're ever good enough and, and that's acting out of pain. Maybe it's pain that you inflicted upon yourself through decisions, but it might be pain that somebody has inflicted upon you. And now you have this self-condemnation because you'll never be good enough. Nothing's ever going to go right. We try to justify and hang on to these things because we may be a, the victim of, of somebody else's actions. But let me tell you this. The worst thing a victim can do is choose chronic pain over healing. And let me tell you, there are a lot of ideas, there's a lot of advice out there in terms of our right to avenge ourselves or, or hold on to things or to claim the victim. These are toxic people spewing these, these ideas in our life who, who speak out of their unresolved chronic, chronic pain and, and they seek to, to bring us down to their level of suffering. Because misery loves company. Part of our healing process is learning to choose who we allow close. Who we listen to. Who we confide in. Even in a ministry context. So be careful. There are those in your life that wish, to, wish you to stay in chronic pain. Seek out those who will walk with you through the pain of healing. So after we come to a point where we actually desire change in our life and admit that this chronic pain that, that we've been carrying around for so many years is actually detrimental. And those things we can't imagine dealing with or addressing are now those things that we want gone. We want them gone out of our life. We are now in a position to trust God. And out of this position comes a desire to surround ourselves with those who will lift us up instead of those who will bring us down. When you are in the place God wants you to be in, that is where healing begins. That in itself can be an awkward and even seemingly painful place. It is a place of change. And it has to be a place of change. Until one is determined to address chronic pain, it will always be there. The adage, time heals all wounds, that's not true. Only Jesus can heal all wounds. The biggest reason we resist change is because we focus on what we will be giving up instead of what we have to gain. Even if what we're giving up is the chronic pain, we've known that chronic pain so long and we're afraid of what our life might look like without that chronic pain. And maybe there's people in our lives and they're causing that chronic pain and it's people we need to get away from. But we're so afraid of leaving that situation because we don't know what the next situation will look like. That's why Holy Spirit-led time with Jesus is so imperative to dealing 
with that chronic pain in our lives. See, Jesus has so much for us. We just have to be willing to accept what he has for us. And that will always involve the, the undiscovered regions of change, which can be scary. Hebrews 12:11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We, we read this, this, this verse right here and we automatically, we, we liken discipline as it's like, hey, I got I to gotta discipline this animal, this horse or this dog, or, or um, yeah, that person broke the law and now he has to go to jail as part of his discipline, right? So, so we have a tendency in our chronic pain thinking, whenever we see the word discipline, we think it's a negative. It's going to be painful. God's going to come down with a giant newspaper and swat our nose and put us out in the cold. But that's not it at all. See, discipline, discipline here in the Greek means education or training. We could say that person took up the discipline of exercising every day, right? It's just, it's just you have decided and, and you're going to make yourself do that. That's the discipline. By implication, um, disciplinary correction through instruction and nurture. Right? So God doesn't swat us on the nose. He says, hey, I need you to have the discipline of spending time with me, relying upon me, and voicing your issues to me. Therefore, I can help you. Because in God's eyes, ultimately, it's salvation and relationship, right? It's salvation and relationship. God is always beckoning us, calling us to salvation and relationship. So we don't just go to him because we're hurting. We don't just go to him because we're in pain. We go to him ultimately because we need salvation and relationship with him. This is the importance of the process of healing or the healing pain we experience when moving from a spot of resistance to God to be a place of trust and fulfillment in God. So many of us, so many of us sitting in churches all across this, this, this world this morning, though we are in church, so many people are still holding on to chronic pain in our life. And there's a resistance to the healing that God wants to, wants to dole out. And we need to get to that place of trust and fulfillment, confidence in God. And this is where some very questionable theology can can try to sneak in here, right? So I, I, feel, like, I feel like we have to address this. When, when we see healing miracles in Scripture, especially in, in the Gospels and in, in, in the book of Acts, they are, they are mostly instantaneous in that person that needs to be healed, aren't they? Take up your mat and walk, right? Um, speak. Here, whatever it is, it's, it's instantaneous. And, and there's good reason for that. See, most of the miracles Jesus performed arose from a physical or a demonic nature. And though the individual person greatly benefited from the miraculous event, Jesus was accomplishing much more in those who witnessed these miracles. Did you know that? 
Jesus healed, not just to heal that person, but to have an effect on every single person that saw or heard about that healing. See, Jesus was using these miracles to invite people into the process of healing, healing being salvation in relationship with himself. See, sometimes healing involves a miracle, but more times than not, healing comes through God's process. But our mentality is usually that that we want immediate healing. The Bible says, I'm standing in faith. I want immediate healing and I want it now. Fix this, that, or the other instantly so I don't have to endure the healing process and the healing pain that accompanies it. But in God's wisdom, he knows us all too well. He knows we learn, how we learn, and he knows what brings true change in our life. So in many cases, it's the actual healing process that is the blessing and ultimately the testimony that each one of us will share. Worship team, if you guys guys want to come up. So we have this idea of chronic pain. We have this idea of healing pain. We have Jacob as an example who carried chronic pain for so long until, until he couldn't carry it anymore. He couldn't stand it anymore. And then, then he had an interaction with God and, and, and he struggled with God and he, he, he stayed with God. He wouldn't let God go until you bless me, until you, until you heal me, until you release me from this chronic pain because he had nowhere else to turn. Jacob got to that point in his life where he expected himself and all his family to be wiped out. That chronic pain had taken him to that point that he could no longer bear it. And that's when he turned to God. But I'm telling you this morning, if you're dealing with chronic spiritual or emotional pain within your life right now, don't allow it to get that far down the road. God wants to have an interaction with you this morning. Jesus wants to begin the healing process in your life this morning. And I will not stand up here and tell you it's going to be instantaneous with no ill effect to you. What I'm going to tell you is is it's God's will and His wisdom to do things the way He needs to do things in your specific life. So that just might mean the healing process will begin. The chronic pain will subside. But in that place, you might have a little bit of healing pain. But remember, chronic pain gets you nowhere. But it's the healing pain that brings revival and life into you. So take a moment right now. Why don't you just go ahead and bring the lights down right now. We can ponder better sometimes when we're not distracted with people around us. I would like you to take a moment right now and ask the Holy Spirit right now. Summon up that courage because I know it's hard to ask the Holy Spirit to bring up anything in your life that is causing you chronic pain. Remember unforgiveness, fear, anger, envy, self-condemnation, condemnation of others all of those things and a multitude of others. If we're honest with the Holy Spirit, He's going to be honest with us. We're dependent upon the Holy Spirit. He's going to bring you where you need to be. 
So right now, just ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything in your life right now that's causing you chronic pain that you have tried to explain away, that you've tried to suppress, that that you've tried to deny? But you know it's affecting your decisions. You know it's affecting how you're living life right now. You know that it's affecting your very faith. And now it's up to you right now at this moment in 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 time this moment in eternity right now it's up to you to choose what happens next do you choose to hang on to it to walk out of here in chronic pain or do you choose this morning to bring it to jesus and begin that shift begin that transition chronic pain to healing, which may or may not accompany pain. I'm telling you, it's not easy, and that's why it's scary. Because if you're holding unforgiveness, part of the healing process might be the Holy Spirit saying, you need to go ask for forgiveness. Oh, that's painful. Yeah, that's healing pain, not chronic pain. It may be looking at yourself in the mirror and and asking Jesus, how do you see me? Oh, that's scary. That's fearful. That can be painful. That's not chronic pain. That's healing pain. It may be just coming to this altar, which maybe you've never taken the steps to come to the altar. That can be scary and that can be hard. That brings healing pain, not chronic pain. If y'all wouldn't mind standing up. We trust in the Holy Spirit, right? We trust that the Holy Spirit is concerned for our well-being. We have an understanding that Jesus' ultimate goal is our salvation and a relationship with Him. We need to have confidence and we need to trust these things. But we also have to ask ourselves, what's getting in the way of that? Is it chronic pain? Is it fear? Is it what is what is causing that? In this fresh year that we call 2024, is, is it finally that time? Start getting a little healing going on in your life to start start facing those things that that you've denied for so long. I want this church to be a healing church. I said it last week. I want this church to be a healing church. And and yeah, absolutely, we want to see physical issues healed. No doubt about that. Of course we want that. But even more so, I want this church to be a place where people can come and get spiritually and emotionally healed. That's not just my desire. I believe that's God's desire. So I'm going to pray. Just like always, we're going to go back into worship. It's a great song for work, for clothes. I mean, it's just, Jen did it again. She listened, not to me, to the Holy Spirit. And it's just the right song. We're going to open up these altars. We're going to have people that, that are going to be available to pray and, and encourage and, and begin that healing process that Jesus so desperately wants to bring into your life. But I feel strongly, as strong as I felt last week, 
from the leading of the Spirit, I, I, I feel strongly that, man, God is asking a lot of people to make that walk to the altar this morning and not just to sit in their seat. Though the healing process can start again, God brings us through that process. So pray with me. Ask yourself those vital questions. It's going to be your choice. But I truly desire, as the Holy Spirit desires, that nobody leaves here to say today the same way that they came in. Let's pray. Father God, you are so wonderful to us. We don't deserve it. Of course we don't deserve it. We are born into sin, into a sinful world, apart from you. But because of your compassion and your love for us, you sent your Son to us, that we can be redeemed, that we can switch the road we're on from eternity apart from you, from death itself to an eternity with you in life itself. And in this process, Lord God, there's all sorts of, of chronic pain that we carry that so desperately needs a touch from you. And Lord God, you're more than willing to do these very things. So this morning, I just pray that you speak to people, that they resolve within their own life what they need to do right now. And Lord God, I, I desire, desire healing. Too many people in chronic pain, physical, emotional, even spiritual. And Lord God, I believe that that can change today. So Jesus, we submit to you, Holy Spirit. We follow your leading. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.